Hi, everyone. It's Nancy. Just a quick note before you jump into episode 14. In this episode, as well as in past episodes, we know that we mentioned that there was going to be 16 episodes for season one. However, after we recorded this episode 14 on Fraud Complex, the summer and all its obligations and activities hit us both like a tidal wave. And as much as we tried, Desperately, we were not able to squeeze in a recording session. As such, this episode, episode 14, is the final episode of season one. Enjoy. We will be back. We assure you we are committed to a season two. The first three episodes of season two will drop the week of October 14th. So watch for those. In the meantime, there is a new episode up on the Patreon you can go to our website, www.onthesamepagepod.com. There is links to the Patreon account. Super exciting episode, no pun intended. We did talk about sex for 30 minutes. Also on our website, onthesamepagepod.com, you will find links to all our social media accounts, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as a link to leave a review on iTunes. Ladies, Guys, whoever's listening, if you haven't had a chance to leave an iTunes review, please, please, please take the time to do it over the break. I cannot stress how important those reviews are to Jen and I. And with that, with all of the housekeeping out of the way, please enjoy the final episode of On the Same Page with Jen and Nancy. Thank you so, so much for your feedback and all of your support. We'll see you in October. Episode 14 of On the Same Page with Jen and Nancy. How are you doing, Jen? Good. Can you believe it's already episode 14? No, that's crazy. It is crazy. Only two more left for season one. I'm sad. You had a show last night, right? I did. How'd it go? Uh, it went great. It went very great. The audience was awesome. It was at the Comedy Nest. It was for the Monday Mix-Up Variety Show. I sang a couple of silly songs. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was good. Super fun. So my kids are at camp for two weeks, (laughs) spending some quality time with my husband. Got a story to tell. Really? Got a story to tell. Yep. Tell. So for many years, they've been going to camp for two weeks. And we have this ritual where we use the diner app, which is a couple times, which is D-I-N-R. And it gives you like um, last minute cancellations. There's usually like two at the bar or something like that. Oh, cool. For restaurants that normally are hard to get into on short notice. So I went to the diner app and there was many options. Usually there's not a lot, but there was many options. There was Tuck Shop. Mm. And I was like, Jen's kid works at Tuck Shop. She does. Bet I'll get something free. Bet I'll get a free dessert. You know me, I'm all over the free dessert. (laughs) (laughs) The meals there are so expensive. (laughs) It's hard to be called a dessert free, even if it was. So I was getting my haircut that day. So super happy because when I went sailing in the British Virgin Islands, see previous episode, my hair was nice and long and I just went for a trim. And I said to my hairdresser, who I have been seeing for quite a while, not years, but like a year and a half. I said, don't cut it all off, just trim it up. And she, while she was cutting it, she's like, where are you going on vacation? I said, I'm going on a boat. And then the next thing I know, all my hair is gone. And she was like, oh, I give you a nice haircut for the boat. And I was like, I don't need a boat haircut. (laughs) Boat haircut. Like, I don't feel, I don't feel like, um, I don't want to say like, I don't feel attractive. I feel good when I put my hair, my head forward and, and I see hair. That makes me happy. If I put my head forward and no hair falls, I feel like an 11 year old boy who's cut his own bangs. Like this is, this is how I feel. It's a hard, it's a hard length too, because I I just have 
I have boat hair length, boat, boat haircut <laughs> length, and it's not short enough that that your hair is not making you sweaty and hot in the heat. But I'm not, but it's my not story, long enough to on. tie it up. Yeah, exactly. So I've been growing it out for three or four months, and it's been a struggle, but I've done it. So I went back, looked her straight in the eye, Jen, and I said, "Don't change the length. I just want you to thin it out." And then after 45 minutes, she's like, I really ended up taking quite a bit off. Um, it's summer. You don't need long hair in the summer. And she cut it all off again. I was like livid. This is your short hair? Yes. But it looks amazing. No, it doesn't. Yes, it, looks it like, does. No, it looks no, really anyway. great. I wasn't fishing for compliments. But I'm I just was- saying I was like palpably enraged. I think that you need to post a picture of your hair on Instagram and let the listeners decide. (laughs) And right then and there, I'm like, lady, I didn't say it out loud, of course. You know me. I have the conflict on the podcast, not in real life. Right. I was like, lady, I'm not coming back. What's that saying? Uh, Fool me once or shame. What is the saying? Isn't it fool me once, shame on you. You fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah, exactly. So thank you for that. Yeah. I love your haircut though. So we're going on this big date. I'm mad and grumpy. And the reason that I'm telling the story is because I posted a picture on Facebook, not of my hair. I got excited. But of the tuck shop menu with my martini, Mm -hmm. which was fantastic. Ginger and coriander. And it got like more likes than (laughs) I think I've gotten since the last time I went to tuck shop. And I was super afraid that I don't like people that are on Facebook and they're always showing like their be best life. Right. So I was like, I was afraid people, because I really care about what people think, that people are going to be like, oh my God, Nancy, she's like showing off. So what I wanted to do for people that were like, oh my God, Nancy's marriage is so perfect. Her and Renault are so in love after 20 years. Okay. I needed to tell this story. Okay. So we go into the restaurant and it, there was a, a small rainstorm plus a massive amount of humidity. And even though it is very expensive at Tuck Shop, maybe because they're giving away too many free desserts, (laughs) they don't have air conditioning or at least a a very small amount. It probably wasn't that bad, but I felt like I could feel the hair on the back of my neck. There's still some there, but I could feel nothing up front. I was pretty sure I had a hockey mullet. I'm the one with the sweaty hockey mullet. Try not to turn sideways so nobody can see my profile. And we go to the restaurant and we're we're two seats at the bar. I have my drink. I take my picture and we're getting ready to order. And I say, I think, don't get mad at me, Jen. I said, I'm going to try the beef tartare because I never wanted to eat raw meat ever. And every time Renault orders beef tartare, which is a lot, he forces me to try it. And he like, puts a little bit on a little dry piece of bread and says, here, try this, try this, try this, try this. And I'm like, I really don't want to try it. Could you respect my personal boundary? No, no, no. Try it. Try it. You'll like it. And he practically shoves it in my mouth. And I take it because I don't want to have a fight in the restaurant. But really, I'm like, when someone says to you, here's my first PSA. When someone says to you, I'd really rather not try that food, just respect their decision. You should just yell in the restaurant. Like, oh. you do not have my consent. Like, really loud. No means no. I cannot tell you how many restaurants we have walked out of angry and one of us has taken the car home and the other one has walked home or taken an Uber. And it all starts because of something like I wouldn't even try the beef tartare. <laughs> So anyway, his evil plan works and I now don't mind beef tartare. And the waitress was talking about how amazing it is. It had smoked oysters in it. Again, not looking you in the eye. And he says, no, I'm getting the beef tartare. So you have to get something else. I'm like, well, why can't we have the same thing? And he's like, it looks at me like I'm crazy. He goes, well, you get something else and we'll share. So I'm like, whatever. Be so proud of me. I got the wild mushrooms. Super grilled. Oh, it's so good there. It's so good. But there they, is a little salty cheese on top. They forage really? their own mushrooms. There's some in my fridge right now. So then part two, I want to have the halibut. So he says he's going to order order Cornish game hen. I said, 
you hate Cornish game hen. You think it's like a chicken with no meat. Why would you order that? And he's like, because you're having the halibut. I'm like, okay, you have the halibut. I'll have the swordfish. So the appetizers come. I'm still sweating profusely. I can actually feel sweat running down my back. Mm. And I'm very self-conscious of my mullet. I'm pretty sure (laughs) everybody in the restaurant is talking about it. And I did see your daughter, by the way. She's absolutely gorgeous. Hats off. So the appetizers come and I'm like, okay, so just to avoid any weird uh, conflict or I don't know if that's the right word, conflict, small c, I'm like, I'll be the first one to share. So the dish is like a brioche, a little hockey puck type shape of brioche, incredible like wild mushrooms sauteed, Mm -hmm. um, like a salty cheese on top. And then some arugula or something like that. So I make sure that I get a little tiny bit of each layer onto the fork. And I go to silently and like inconspicuously just put it on his plate so that I can be the first to share because we're sharing. Now, I don't know what happened, Jen, but it was like something from... Everybody was kung fu fighting. He actually, like, as a reflex, <laughs> what? what blocked me with his elbow, like karate, and the fork went flying, oh, and there was like my God. a shower of mushrooms and cheese Why? and arugula. And I looked at him, and he's like whispering. I'm like, okay, everybody can see the mullet now. You've drawn attention <laughs> to us. There's salty cheese stuck to the bar. And he whispers, babe, babe, there's a sharing plate in between us. You don't put it directly on my plate. You just put it on the sharing plate. Wait, sorry, wait. So the proper etiquette is to put the food on the sharing plate. In between you. And it's not poor etiquette to slam the fork and have all the food go <laughs> flying. In his defense, it seemed to be some sort of reflex. <laughs> But do people usually like steal a, food? Obviously, self defense kung fu moves. So my second PSA of the day is of the episode: If you want someone to follow the rules, you have to teach them the rules. Oh. He has never in twenty years mentioned the sharing plate. Wow! The guy who usually just tries to shove it right in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that might have come out wrong. <laughs> Nancy, that should have been on the Patreon (laughs) episode that that we recorded. On that note, on that note, for any listeners that are interested in supporting us on Patreon, we have a new episode up there and it is on drum roll. You want to tell them, Jen? Nope. Sex. S-E-X. So if you want to listen to Jen and I talk about sex and who wouldn't? (laughs) And most importantly, if you want to know how many people Nancy's slept with. (laughs) You're not supposed to say that. Head on over and uh, check out the Patreon link. It is on our website on the same page pod.com. So that's my story. I want to add your story and say that while you were at Tuck Shop sending me adorable pictures of your martini, my daughter was texting me, What does Nancy like to eat? And then I texted you, She loves salmon. And, and you texted and you texted me back, Who loves salmon? And I was like, Oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what happened. You were, you missed And then I was like, What do I say? <laughs> This makes sense. And it just got dumber because I was like, you love salmon. (laughs) And so do I, but I don't eat it anymore. Oh my God, this is ridiculous. First you were like, what are some of your favorite foods? And I'm like, oh, I'll eat anything. And you're like, no, really. And I'm like, spaghetti and meatballs. And then you're like, no, really. (laughs) And then I kind of got the sense like I was kidding about the free dessert, but which I did end up getting. But then I thought, oh, she might be trying to... uh, Fish for to, to fish for no pun intended. Yeah. Um so I said salmon, which I do love. But I'd already I think I'd already told her that you like salmon and I can't remember what else. Like I just thought about things that I've seen you order a lot or make or whatever. But right. then you said salmon. So I was like, oh she loves salmon. And then you were like, who does? I was like, is Jen <laughs> talking about herself in the third person? The but vegan? I did to be fair, I when you said salmon and when I was thinking about things you liked, I thought about that salmon you used to make us that I loved so much when I ate salmon. But also, we had so much food. 
We had a swordfish and a halibut and a beef tartare, which I don't know, Jen. I kept looking over at the sharing plate and it was just empty. Nobody shared. Nobody <laughs> shared the beef tartare with me. But what? So like you order, you couldn't order the beef tartare because you guys were going to share, but then he right. didn't share it with you? That's right. Cute. And I tried to share it with him and he knocked it all over the restaurant. And I didn't share any more with him. Good. That mushroom dish is out of control. The food there is so good. I have to say, hands down, one of the best meals I've had was there. Uh, And I'm not just saying that because my daughter cooks there. But I think everyone should go there and ask, is Chloe working tonight? And if they say (laughs) no, then just leave. Or like call to, you can't just walk in. That's a lie. I I was surprised you got a reservation. I didn't know about that. The app is D-I-N-R. But yeah, call to make reservation and then go, oh, wait. Is Chloe, is Chloe working? working that night? Yeah. And then if they're like, no, be like, oh, do you have anything the night she is working? <laughs> uh, and they'll be like, is she a friend of yours? And be like, no, but we've ha- we've ha- had her food before and it's outstanding. Yes. She's she's so talented. I want to also say, I know you wouldn't look me in the eye when you're talking about eating raw meat, but as a vegan um, who didn't stop eating meat because it tasted horrible, I... Even as a vegan, don't understand when people overcook their meat. I think that's so disgusting. Like I liked my steak very rare when I did eat it. And then other people would like char it so much that I was like, why are you even eating it anymore? Yeah, my mom does that. And she'll send it back like two or three times if it's not cooked enough. It has to be black. I was at my mom's house once and uh, I know she's a listener. So I'm going to apologize in advance, mom. (laughs) But we have... We have, um, but with our truck, I don't know why, but I, even when I'm on a hill, I don't have to put the emergency brake on. And when we were in Victoria, I rented a car. My mom has like this driveway that's like a slope down towards the street. And it's kind of a a busy street corner. And they made these steaks and I think they had barbecued them about 30 minutes each side. Like I was, I had a steak knife and I was having trouble. (laughs) I was having trouble cutting it. So my sister knew I was there. And so she's coming over to visit. She comes flying into the house and is like, oh my God, Nancy, is that your rental car? It's in the middle of the street. And my first thought was, oh, thank God. (laughs) I'm saved from the stake. Sorry, mom. Hashtag sorry, mom. But yeah, I mean, is there not a happy medium between raw and charred? It's called medium. Medium. Yeah, I'm a medium girl myself. So Nancy. Yes, dear. What's up? What's up is that... I feel like fraud. I think we should talk about imposter syndrome. I don't know what we had planned for today, but can we talk about imposter syndrome? I have notes. (laughs) (laughs) I just uh, think that's a great idea. I think it's a great idea because it's something I'm faced with every single day. Um, Did you steal all my notes? I did. I stole your notes. (laughs) Just in case that's what we were going to talk about. I don't have any of your notes. You just had your notebook here. Is that not where you keep your notes? Well, I have like 17 notebooks. My notes could be anywhere. Yeah, these are all math notes of children. Okay, while you look for your notes, I just want to tell the whole world that I'm the best girlfriend who ever lived because I built my crazy cat lady girlfriend a catio for her birthday. Can you tell us what a catio is? I know. Can you tell our listeners? It's cat prison for cats whose mom won't let them out of the house. But when feels, the mom is a human. Yeah, the human mom. The human cat lady mom is too protective to let them out of the house. I mean, it's such a good mom that she keeps them sh- sheltered. Inside mm-hmm. and safe. In Joe's defense, we have catnappers living next door to us. And also, ever so briefly, there was like a city bylaw that stated that cats weren't allowed outside the perimeter of their own yard. Yeah, that was a fun eight months. That was good. Good times. So we just keep our cats inside. But I feel bad for them because they just push their bodies up against the screen on our windows. (laughs) So on Joe's birthday, we built her a... We, you and Chloe, right? Yeah, me and Chloe. um, We built her a catio. So the cats can go out the kitchen window into this like three-story cat prison outside. And then they can just press their bodies up against the chicken wire. I saw it on Instagram. It's incredible. I can't believe you built it yourself. So when this episode is published, we'll publish a picture on Instagram. Do it, do it, do it. I found my notes. Great. Let's do this. So we should probably talk about what imposter syndrome is before we get kicked off. I'm pretty sure that uh, most of us, especially women, although it was interesting, I was reading some statistics and apparently men suffer 
they sure hide it well. But men, apparently just as many men suffer from imposter syndrome, which according to Wikipedia is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear as being exposed as a fraud. Right. So they just feel like whatever successes they've had, it's been a fluke. Accident. Yeah. Yeah. A little more background. The phrase was coined by clinical psychologists Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes in 1978 when they found that despite having adequate external accomplishments, people with imposter syndrome remained convinced that they don't deserve the success that they have. I'm pretty sure that imposter syndrome, also known as fraud complex. Right. Like that's pretty much the, can I say it's the bane of my existence? Does that make sense? You can say whatever you want. It it's a podcast. Me. It plagues me is what I'm trying to say on every level. Like whether it's in, at work or in my parenting or in my creative stuff. Like for the longest time when I was trying to record songs and stuff and people would ask me like if I wanted to go record with them and stuff and I wouldn't because I'd be like who would want to hear me like who would even want to listen to that you're making me sad do you want to just stop the podcast (laughs) and listen to you play music No, (laughs) I love your music so I just want to give a few examples and I want to come back to our stories do it do it basically your story doesn't count Right. It's not as good as other people's stories. Because I'm not a real storyteller. <laughs> and I'm exposing you as a fraud. Right. Got it. No, of course not. I just want to get this, these notes out of the way because, and then we can, because I want to tell more stories and I want to hear your stories. So I want to give a couple of examples. As though you were some sort of expert on the subject. <laughs> <laughs> because I wrote it down. That's all it takes to be an expert. There. I think that pretty much wraps up the whole episode. Clearly I have no imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> you get the promotion at work. And your inner narrative, this is my one of my favorites, is that they must have been short on candidates. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, you're about to give a speech or a presentation and you secretly think you're about to be exposed for the fraud you really are. Yeah. And last one, this one has been a huge, huge impact on my life, is you're sitting in a big meeting and you're pretty sure the boss is about to tap you on the shoulder and let you know that they have finally figured out you're not qualified for the job and it's time to go. Yeah. So it can be debilitating. It can cause stress, anxiety, low self-confidence, shame, and even depression. Take it away, Jen. (laughs) No, I was rude and I interrupted you before. No, you weren't rude. No, I just wanted to give some of these examples so that people, we would have like a foundation from which to tell our stories. And I like, I have, you know, we were talking, I think it was the last episode we were talking about um, how you have an aversion to affirmations. Right. And one of my affirmations that I've been working on is I'm a brilliant and prolific writer. And while I'm writing it, I am saying, I write. Your inner narrative. mm -hmm, It's not really. No, you're not. Not true. Sure. Maybe you should try writing something then really prolific where is it like I and I'm like doing nagging myself in the back of my head and then today I also was writing um there's a divine plan of greatness for me Mm -hmm. and I wrote it five times and on the fifth time as I wrote the word greatness my cat vomited right next to me on the floor (laughs) and like I immediately took that as proof that it wasn't true why why couldn't you flip it around and see it as proof that it was true like a sign from the universe that it is true. Keep going. <laughs> cat, the cat puking next to me. There's I, a, I don't know, but there's I, an analogy in there somewhere. It was also <laughs> just proof to me that I was even doing the affirmations wrong. Like I don't even, I can't oh, even do Jen. that. It's such a weird feeling. So I know that I'm, I'm, I know that I'm um, doing everything wrong. This is horrible. When I'm doing comedy. Mm-hmm. If the comics that go up before me are terrible, I get this tiny, like, oh, thank God. Cause, oh, yeah. Because I'll, then I'll look good. Okay. Okay, but wait. Not, not, it's not because I am good. It's like, because, because at least compared comparison to, to that. that, it'll seem like I, I know what I'm doing. Like, I'll, and I, you know, that's. T- so, you know, my motto, in order for me to succeed, all others must fail. Well, it's rubbing off on me. <laughs> 
something to live by. It's rubbing off on me. I do think that's normal um, in the sense that nobody wants to follow the best act. Like I, if, if I don't know, can you imagine following like Chelsea Handler or something like, but there is a plus to it unless you're terrible. The cool thing about following, okay. The crappy thing about following a terrible comic is that it brings the room down and then people are not as excited and ready to embrace you. But if, if someone else has just got them laughing their heads off for the right. last seven minutes or something, and then you go up, they're still in that mood. So yeah. for the first few minutes, whatever you say, they're going to okay, be on the board energy with. in the room is yeah. working in your favor. Yeah. But if you bomb, then it really yeah. shows. They're like, wow, out. we just saw this incredible performer and now this is awful. But it's other stuff too. Like Joanne will be like, oh, why don't you apply to this festival? And I get really angry at her that she doesn't understand that you have to earn that. And like someone as shitty as me doesn't have the right. Stop it. What? We're talking about this. You're not entitled to your own feelings. (laughs) Ever gave you that impression. It's just this weird thing. But, but Nancy Even super famous, I wrote some down, even some super famous people and didn't bring it. Meryl Uh, Streep. Meryl Streep, uh, Tina Fey, I think Robert De Niro, like a lot of them. uh, Meryl Streep says every time, not every time, but Meryl Streep has said, why would anyone want to see me act? This is probably my last movie. They're probably going to figure out that I'm not that great of an actress. And she has how many... I don't know how many Academy Awards. See? No, it's a real thing. And, but what I want to say is that I was reading the Psychology Today article about it, and it was talking about how it can limit our courage to go after new opportunities. Of course. Which is exactly what you're saying about applying to certain festivals to explore potential areas of interest. Can you imagine if we felt like frauds for podcasting? And we never started the podcast. Can you imagine how empty the podcasting universe would be without on the same page? So I just want to point out the ways that we've already overcome fraud complex. We're podcasting. Who who are we to start a podcast? We don't know anything about anything. Yeah, but then I <laughs> but then I justify we don't know anything about anything. But I have to say one thing that really does help me when I start to get too self-conscious and worried about that stuff. And I don't remember who said it. I'm really sorry. But I did hear someone say once, like, you are an expert at being you. Right. So when I have to perform, this is harder to do, like, in, a say, a corporate job, like, you know, at a conference. Right. Or something like that. But if you're speaking... uh from your own experience or if you're performing or in my case, like doing comedy or our case, doing this podcast, I always think, but you, you just have to be you, you yeah. are your product and you are an expert. And at nobody being can you. argue. People might not like you, but you're an expert at being you. Yeah. So, so that comforts me. If I had to like do electrical work, <laughs> feel like that might not get me very far, but no, I completely agree. And I mean, when we were talking about possible topics for this podcast, there was this little voice in my head that's like, who are you two freaks to talk about meditation? And we prefaced it in episode one, the intro episode, which is that we're not experts on anything, not a doctor, but we have experiences with certain self-help or, or other modules, generalities, And also we want to have experiences so we can, who's going to stop us Mm -hmm. from talking about how we want to have more experience with medication, medication, (laughs) always, always the Freudian slip. (laughs) (laughs) We want to have more experience with meditation and self-compassion. Right. But what started this diatribe on my end is the last part of this phrase was that we are afraid fraud complex can stop us and make us afraid to put ourselves out in the world and the, in a meaningful way. And by the sheer fact that you're getting up on stage, Jen, come on, more people are afraid of public speaking than they are of death. But I can't, I don't understand that. I can't relate to that. 
Like I'm so at home on stage. Like even if I have a show that I'm super nervous about, I'm super nervous until I step onto the stage and then I find like, and then I relax like my own okay, Like I'm at home here now. Really? That's so awesome. The few times I've been on stage, I have like out of body experiences, like not like woo woo, but like, I'm not, I'm disassociating. Okay. I can hear myself talking. I'm either getting laughs or I'm screwing up, but I don't feel like I'm in my own body. I, I think it's just practice. You shared with me a year or two ago, because I remember we were on the truss at my old place. You took a, a course at the Comedy Nest, something like that. Mm-hmm. And you had to perform live at the end of the, the course. Yeah, we had like a class. And you were sick. Show. Like almost Up sick. until I got on stage. Okay, but in advance. You I was were pacing like a piranha. Joe said back. she'd never seen you You were like that. You were yeah. white as a ghost. No, I actually thought I was sick, sick. Like I thought okay. I can't do this. I've obviously come down. I maybe I have food poisoning. Like I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't handle like the moments. But you did it. it. And then I just got up and did it. Yeah. But I But all but, the other comics are better? There's two things. <laughs> no, I know. But that's there's 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 more than two things. I just like to say there's two things okay. like, about everything. One is that when I'm performing, for example, I don't have a handbook or a certificate or something qualifying me like you went to school I graduated high school when I was 27 go on but you were certified afterwards as something fancy that has to do with money and it's important and then you went on to sell research for a bank or something yeah yeah true story but you were qualified to do that so you could you could do it without worrying that people that you were tricking people that you were like lying to them well you're probably lying that is not true no 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 no. that is a whole we're going to shelve that topic for later do you think there's a certificate for being a stand-up comedian no there isn't that's the problem (laughs) and that's why i'm plagued with anxiety up until the second i get on stage because you how do you be good at something that is so cute that you think that you're good at something because you you do it and you continue to practice your art. Well, like I'm still doing it because I I'm know. passionate about it. But I know that there's people that are just so much better than me, like naturally. Like I know you have to practice or else you just, you have to practice. Right. Everybody has to but, work. But I, but there's just people who are naturally so much more funny than I am. I know it's shocking, but like um, <laughs> it's true. And so there's definitely like times where I'm like, who am I kidding? Why am I doing this? Like, they're so much better than I am. But then on top of that, like, then I get these moments, like, and I don't know if it's like, because I'm a Leo or, and I have an enormous, but very fragile ego, or because I've been performing since I was like eight years old, there's a part of me that can't, that overrides, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that overrides the insecurity, but I still am a little nervous that like, I can't not do it. That's what you said. I yeah. cannot, I can't not do it. Like last night I was really nervous before I got on stage. I was going to try something different and I was super nervous and anxious. I get, before I go on stage, like for the couple of hours leading up to it, I get in a very bad mood and I don't want to be talked to. And I can't like Joanne's trying that. to talk to me about like, do you think Anika found an apartment yet? Do you think blah, blah, <laughs> Like, how, do you know, are we at a cat, cat food? And if I said out loud what was going through my head, she would be so hurt. Like, and I can't listen. I get that. Yeah. So I'm so in my head and in my bubble, but it's not in a happy place. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to say this tonight. It's going to be hilarious. They're going to love me. Like in my head, I'm starting to go, okay, they're going to know. Like tonight's the night that I'm exposed and they're going to be like, why are you telling us about your cats? <laughs> like, why are What's you? What's next? Menopause? <laughs> and it is, by the way, I'm working on a song about that. But, um, but like, yeah, I'm super nervous about that. But I, despite the fact that almost every show I want to cancel and tell them I'm coming down with something because mm-hmm. I think I am, I can't do it. I can't cancel a show. I can't not do it. I'm so proud of you. I just think it's incredible that you get up there night after night after night. I just think it's an addiction or an ego thing. I don't know what it is, but I I don't think it's courage. I'll tell you that. But when I did take that comedy class that you mentioned uh, with Peter J. Radomsky, who's Mm -hmm. an awesome teacher, if anyone's ever looking for comedy classes in Montreal, he said to us, 
the majority of the people in the audience, like you're worried that they aren't, are going to be judging you and stuff, but the majority of the people in the audience would be terrified to even get up on the stage in the first place. So they already think you're amazing, but you're just getting up there. And I, and when he said that, I was like, what? Like weird. Really? Like I didn't even believe I, he had an actual statistic. Maybe he said 30%, 75. I don't know what it was, but I was like, that's so weird. Like I couldn't relate to like, what are you scared of to get up on stage in front of people? I don't understand. And then you, but then you were scared. No, I'm not scared of getting up. If, if, if someone said, who in the room wants to hear Jen talk about her shitty morning trying to meditate when the cat puked on her morning pages? Like, I don't know, whatever. And if the whole audience was like, yeah, we do, I would have no problem with that. I'd be like, but if I write something. Okay. So you're being. I'm exposing my actual right. self. Core. Now that's scary. Yeah. 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 Like if I'm presenting someone no one asked to hear or see, I'm super nervous because it's, it's vulnerable for me. It's super vulnerable. And I'm going to keep saying it over and over again. I'm so proud of you for actually getting up and doing it. Uh, I'm really proud of you that you're about to tell me an example of when. Oh, wait. But I just want to say also, it's not just about performing. Like, I've been doing vegan coaching for people. And mm-hmm. even though I don't need to be. Sweetvegan.net. Go on. Yeah. Sweetvegan.net people. Judgment free love full vegan coaching, all different kinds of options. But the thing is, I'm totally qualified and certified and also coming from a place of experience. And I still get that feeling of like, but who would want that? Like, who would pay me for my services? Yeah. Who wants yeah. to yeah. And people, because they do, but but I'm still like, really though? Are you sure that's what well, you Well, this want? is what was coming back to these notes I took, which was that they must not have searched very far and I'm not talking about you I'm talking about the fraud complex is if you get hired like say I was hired to give a speech on investing for women I might think obviously they didn't look very hard otherwise they wouldn't have chosen me mm-hmm. or obviously I'm cheaper or local or any other reason why it my point is it wouldn't be because of my my knowledge or my speaking skills I, I've seen people talk down to clients before, and I wonder if part of it's that. I wonder if they don't mean to be projecting their own insecurities, but that it's like they're assuming that if that person wants their service, they must be pretty dumb. Like they must, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Or you're almost trying to talk them out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, no, no, no. I, you know, have you seen my work? Like me, like it's really easy. Just don't eat meat or dairy, or like just abstain from all animal you don't products. Need to You're fine. Pay me for this. I don't. I could write you a meal plan, I guess, but there is the internet. I mean, you could just. My favorite is how I give so much of my work away for free. It's like a constant struggle. So I have two, I have three examples, and I promise they won't be that long. So you know, I like to chat. <laughs> no fraud complex for chatting. <laughs> <laughs> I was a salesperson for many years selling my investment research, not that I wrote, but that I was responsible for selling. And I had a monthly quota. And I think remember it was like $66,000 that I had to sell of research a month, or I would lose my job. I mean, it wasn't that aggressive, but this was the quota. Quotas exist for a reason. I lived in constant fear of not making my quota. Like if I sold my quota at like 67 or like 75,000. And then I got a nice big sale for 20 or 25. I would save it for the next month because then I would be able to like. To ensure in case. Because you're preparing to not be I'm able preparing to make to your fail. Right. Yeah. I'm preparing to fail. And I'm like having a buffer. If I start the month at zero, I don't sleep for the first week. Like I'm just terrified. And I was convinced that all the other salespeople were better than me. And some were and some weren't. Like I was fairly a fairly average salesperson, but I was consistent. Some people, they do like, they should have learned to hoard, but they do like 250 in one month and then nothing for six months or something. Anyway, every time there's a lot of turnover, a lot of people were let go. Probably I was there like 12 years, no, seven years in sales, probably 40 people at least were, there was a turnover. Wow. And every time there would be a company announcement that, oh, good news, so-and-so is joining us in sales. This is their background. This is their history. I'd be like, the assassin. (laughs) 
They've hired an assassin and I will finally be exposed for the shitty saleswoman that I am. This is it. The jig is up. But you were selling. (sighs) Yes. But you know this story. I think I've told this story. The stress was so intense that I got pregnant. I was like, I have to get out of here. Immaculately. Oh, you got pregnant. Yeah. Not not from the job. Not from the stress. A different way. See Patreon episode recent. <laughs> um, no, I mean, we talked about having kids, and but Renault wanted to travel more. He wanted to go to Asia and he wanted to go to Europe. And I was like, no, no, it has to be now. Like, I never told him why. And he doesn't listen to the podcast, so he'll never know. <laughs> but no, I was just the fear of being of not making my quota, of being exposed as a fraud after all those years of fooling everybody that I was a good salesperson. The pressure was too intense, and I got back-to-back pregnant with Louie and Elliot. Nancy, we talked in the very beginning of, like, in one of the very first episodes of this season one of On the Same Page with Jen and Nancy, we were talking about ways that we have sabotaged ourselves, or at mm-hmm. least you know, about following through on our dreams. And you you made reference to getting pregnant, having kids, but I didn't think you meant consciously. No, it was very specific. Wow. So then my CEO is such a jerk. So I was one of the first, um, there was only a few women salespeople and I was the first to get pregnant. And the company had, long story short, the company had just started a sales force. The company had been around for 65 years, but they just started a sales force. Which plays into the fact that when they hired me and it was brand new, they only had four people and they wanted to hire eight. And I'm like, well, obviously it just hired me because they needed a seat and a bum, a bum and a seat. Oh, they, didn't, a bum. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't hire me because I was a good salesperson mm-hmm. or that I was articulate or that I had a background in the research that I was selling. It was because they needed four people quickly and I happened to be there. And that persisted, that internal narrative, for seven years. So I get pregnant, and the CEO comes down to see me and tells me this story about, I'm like, oh, hi, how are you? And he says, I'm good. I was at my cottage near water. I need to be near water. It's fluid. I'm like, kick it to the point. What do you want? (laughs) Who are you, crazy person that I'm trying to avoid? By getting pregnant. And he says, I just wanted to congratulate you. I heard you were pregnant, but I also want to let you know face to face that if you think you're going to put your feet up and stop selling, I'm still going to do what I have to do. And I thought, what the f did I get pregnant for? (laughs) No, the irony was I had no intentions of putting my feet up. Right. I was like a super worker. I was terrified of not making my quota. And I was terrified of people saying, um, thinking, oh, she's not going to sell because she's pregnant. What I wanted was the mat leave. Right. I I wanted like now what I know about what's involved in having a child. I could have just taken a course on how to be a better salesperson. (laughs) But but anyway, so I called Renault and I was crying and I was like, the CEO says he's going to fire me if I stop selling. Everyone was so awesome. He's like, you can tell him you're in Quebec and Quebec in Canada. Like, I don't know, maybe our U.S. listeners don't get this, but in Canada, specifically Quebec, there is nothing more sacred than a pregnant woman. Yeah. Like she is protected. Oh, for at, everyone's at we, all costs. Yeah. We pay, we pay people to get pregnant. We pay women yes. to get pregnant. <laughs> yeah. I could have like pulled in an armchair and started smoking in the non-smoking office <laughs> And not shown up for weeks and there's nothing that he could have. Oh, she's pregnant. Hands off. Yeah. And so I was able to feel much better about that. Thank you, Renault. I say enough uh, things about you that are maybe not quite positive, but I appreciate when you do have my back. And the second story that I wanted to tell or example was what you're talking about with this certificate that I have. Yeah. And I thought that because I didn't graduate high school until I was 27 because of a technicality or because I'm an unsuccessful fraud, one or the other. Probably the second, yeah. Yeah. Never went to university, started working full time. So then I wanted to go into the finance industry, but I didn't have a university degree. 
And I was at this company that was offering a $5,000 bonus if you completed your CFA. Well, I was like, well, I don't know what a CFA is. I need (laughs) $5,000. So I'm like going to the manager, like, what's a CFA and how do I get started? They're like, oh, it's a very, very hard degree and you need a university degree to apply. Long story short, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I need five grand. And if all I have to do is pass some tests, I'm getting that CFA. So I applied and I was rejected because I didn't have a university degree. And then I wrote them this big sob letter about how I worked for 10 years at my father's business, working as like an agent for lawyers, almost like a paralegal. And how come somebody with a chemistry degree could be in their program? But with 10 years of work experience, I wasn't allowed. You wrote that? Yeah, I wanted the five grand man. You're like amazing. you would be surprised what I would do for five thousand dollars, Jen. Even now. <laughs> so they wrote me back and they're like, fine, but you're on probation. Really? Yeah. They well, said- they were like, sixty to seventy percent of the people don't pass the exam. So the first exam. Okay. Which is it was eight hours written once a year. It's like super pressure. So they're like, if you pass the first exam, you're off probation and you're a regular student. It's three years. And if you fail the first exam, you're out and you can never come back. So I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks. No pressure. Anyway, I passed exam one, two, three consecutively. Great. Good for me. But it didn't change the fact that I felt like a fraud. It was like, okay, I've ticked this box. I'm certified or I have a designation or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it didn't change the fact that I felt like when I was talking about money and teaching women about investing or taxes... That someone knew more than I did and they would be better off and get more value if they were talking to somebody else. First, you did just expose yourself as a fraud now because I didn't know any of this. <laughs> and I'm always like, Nancy was like the one who she was so academic and so. No, no. Wow. And not only that, I don't know if this, if I'm proud of this or not. I haven't decided I couldn't afford the textbooks. So the course itself was like four or $5,000. I, I didn't realize this. So the $5,000 was basically only covering the bloody tuition, mm-hmm. which was spread over a few years and my employer paid for half of it. Anyway, I couldn't afford the textbooks. So I went online and for a fraction of the price, I bought 25 old exams. And so I just did the same 25 exams over and over and over Stop again. It. So then I would do like a problem and I would be like, well, my theory was if I have the last 25 years of exams, how different can the 26th exam be? And? And I passed, but I never opened a textbook. That's insane. I don't know. Is that something to be proud of or did I game the system? No, you... Like, do I... Am I a knowledgeable chartered financial analyst or did I just game the CFA exam? You are like incredibly ambitious and resourceful. That's out of control. You know, when Joe heard the story about the, you stealing pencils when you were little, <laughs> all she, she wrote something on Instagram. Yeah, she couldn't stop. She was like, wow, look at that. Even then she had a mind for business. Like that was so, <laughs> she was like, she was that's so innovative or I don't know what it was. I was like, Capitalist oh. pig. <laughs> But do you know when this started? Like, I, I didn't always have fraud complex. Do you know when this imposter syndrome business? Like- well, I think it comes back to putting yourself out into the world. And for me, a big trigger is charging for my services. But the third story I wanted to tell, I promise this one will be even shorter. Okay, you said there was only two, but that's fine. No, I said there was three. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I said there was three. Was where I haven't succeeded, which is putting myself out into the world. Right. Whether it's doing stand-up comedy or professional speaking or even starting a YouTube channel. I feel like a fraud, whether it's perfectionism or fraud complex. I don't know. But the other two areas I was forced into. I mean, I was, you have to work. So I worked and I had fraud complex. And then theoretically you have to study. So I studied later in life, Mm -hmm. something that I really did enjoy. And I had fraud complex. Well, with creativity, you can hide. You can hide from creativity. And I am winning at that hiding. And I, you're not winning. You're losing at hiding. I'm, I'm losing <laughs> at hiding, but I'm still winning. You at, were on stage last night, Jen. I know, but it's weird. Just like when I was a kid, 
I, I don't know how old I was, probably like 11 or 12. I was so confident. Like when I was little, I don't know how I had this magical power that I excelled at everything I tried. Like the first time I rode a bike, I got on a big kid bike that was too big for me and didn't have training wheels. And I rode it. And I was like, I love bikes. Like, and my mom was like, what? The first time I ice skated, I was skating backwards and doing circles. And like, I'm a figure skater. Like, I don't know. Like, so I just did everything <laughs> fine and great. Not just fine and great. I excelled at everything I tried when I was little. You even enjoyed the first time you had sex. I excel- excelled at it. He, he <laughs> didn't even realize I was a virgin. It was because someone else told him. Uh, which, which you can hear all about. The details. On the Patreon Including episode. names. Yeah. And you go over there, guys. Um... No, to the point where when I was like 11 or 12 years old, I decided I wanted to start working for myself. I didn't want to work for someone else. I still don't. <laughs> and I was like, what am I good at? What do I have a lot of experience in? And the answer was theater and performing. So I decided I was going to teach acting okay, to okay. younger children because that made sense. I put up posters all over the neighborhood. I went to a church that was right by my house and asked if I could use one of the rooms in the basement for free. So cute. So ambitious. Parents showed up with their kids, Nancy, and saw an 11-year-old standing there (laughs) writing to teach. I taught and they paid me because they were confused. It was just like a one-time thing. It wasn't like a... Like a workshop. Yeah. And they stayed and they watched me teach their kids with zero inhibitions about that. No part of me thought I wasn't able to do it. No part of me hesitated to ask grown adults for money to teach their children everything I knew. I did theater games with them. We did some improv, like, and the we all had a great time. There was no, I would never teach a theater class today. Would you teach a comedy class? No, God, no, I'm not qualified. <laughs> Are you, are you just waiting for that certificate? Yeah. <laughs> I can't need a comedy certificate. But And I don't know, I must have failed at something at some point and suddenly been snapped out of that or something. Oh, the real world probably came head to head with the real world. Something happened. Dream crushing. Um, No, but for real, I don't know where, like I've gone back, believe me, like tried to do my own regressive therapy in my head and like tried to figure out who robbed me of my confidence because that's (laughs) ballsy to be like 11 years old and be like, "Mm, I'm a theater teacher and... (laughs) If you're really good, I'll put you in my show. I listened to the Sean West podcast and something he said really struck me, which is that there are always going to be people that know more than you, that are funnier than you, that write, act, whatever, better than you. But your audience is not their audience. Mm. So for your audience, if you know even, I loved this. Thank you, Sean. If you know even one more thing, than somebody else. Not only can you teach, but you have a moral obligation to teach those people. And that really helped me with my money. Like I uh, launched my course right after I heard that because I was like, who am I to teach about money? And, you know, there's better video and better audio and people that know more than I do. And I was like, people ask me all the time where they should invest their money, which means I know more than some people. And it's okay. I'm giving myself permission to do my course. That was one thing that really, really helped me. Now I was looking at a Forbes article and there's four tips to, I know it's not Healthline, (laughs) which is our usual trusted source, but four tips to help overcome fraud syndrome. Want to hear them? Yeah, so badly. Okay. So the first one is to remember your real life value. And what was interesting about this was 99% of this stuff goes on in our head. And like anything that goes on in our head, once we see it in writing or we speak it out loud, it kind of loses its power over Mm -hmm. us. So in the article, the psychologist was talking about writing down your accomplishments or maybe working with a coach to voice your fears or, or a friend. Okay, so let me ask you this. All this stuff in your head about comedy, talking about it on the podcast and hearing my feedback, because I'm awesome, mm-hmm. sounding board. Do you feel any better? Just has it brought your fear down just a little bit even to talk about it? I know you're not just going to have no anxiety the next time. You yeah, of course. Fall. I still have anxiety. But I think what helps is when you talk about it, it makes you realize 
things like like you're not alone like I, when I was telling you like I so I was thinking yeah, I'm terrified to get on stage but when I said it out loud but once I'm on stage I feel right. at home like so makes hearing you myself you say these things out loud have to push through the anxiety because you know that you'll be okay sure right and also just because it helps you sort of process where what are you actually feeling like because I think a lot of time too you just see fear, feel fear. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not good enough. I'm not the real thing. Yeah. But, but if you actually have a conversation with someone, they're like, okay, well, what, what does the real thing do? Yeah. Like, what is the real thing? What's different about the real salesperson? What's different about the real comic, the real singer, yeah. the real whatever? Well, you're forced to answer those questions. Yeah. The second one, well, the point of that was to normalize your fears. If your fears are like, just to realize that they might just be overblown. Mm-hmm. This one we talked a lot about in the self-help episode, episode, which was to stop comparing yourself to others. It's so hard. I know, but what if you, like, because we're really focused on you right now. <laughs> what if you compared yourself to how far you've come as a comedian instead of the other comedians around you or on TV? You don't have to answer that. It was a rhetorical question. I need to mull it over. I can think of something. This is episode 14, okay? Instead of comparing ourselves to a Gimlet podcast or a Wondery podcast, why don't we compare ourselves to the audio quality of episode one? Oh, gosh. <laughs> we had a listener who the first feedback that they gave me was, oh, your sound quality has gotten so amazing. <laughs> um, We've come so far. Actually, I want to grab that and say, like, to put it, make it about you again for a second, which I know you love. Um, because one of your fraudulent uh, feelings is about how you don't put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. But we're recording episode 14 of a podcast where you do nothing but put yourself out there. This is true. And I even talked about sex on the Patreon episode on the same page pod.com. All right. So please, please, if imposter syndrome uh, affects you in any way, Really stop comparing yourself to others and compare yourself to how far you've come. Okay, number three is treat failure as an opportunity. And this really resonated with me, which is that people with strong imposter syndrome are afraid to try new things because when they fail, then everything they're worried about will come true. So the failure is proof. Yeah. Oh, I knew I couldn't do it. I knew someone was smarter. I knew I wouldn't get the job. And we have to realize that um, everybody fails. Look at episode one. <laughs> no. like, I was listening to a podcast the other day and I really liked it. So I went back to some of the earlier episodes. The audio quality was so bad, like 10 times worse than our episode one. Oh, I listened to one the other day and this, there was this noise the whole time while they're talking. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it was too bad because I liked them and the topic, but I was like, how are they not Noticing this, it's making me insane. First, I thought it was my tinnitus. But preface just before the episode was a little audio clip that said, we know this is awful and we'd really like to take it down. But just for the sake of having like our whole catalog online, we're going to leave it up. Nice. And trust us, if this is your first episode listening to us, the audio gets better. (laughs) That's awesome. So I may do that for us at some point. So number three was just about how everybody fails. Right. Failure is not proof that you were never good enough in the first place. And all successful people have failed along the way. And you can't fail or succeed if you don't try. Look at this podcast. Look at Jen's comedian career. Huge success. Huge. And the last one is to recognize that there is no right way. So imposter syndrome is based on the idea that everyone else succeeded on merit, but yours was luck. Or by accident or a fluke, like we talked about earlier. The point was that your success is your success because it's successful. That's it. End of story. Like you're successful on stage because you're successful. It's not because the audience is drunk or deaf. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 And success does not require merit, which is a quote from the article. And I'm going to throw that back at you to say success does not require a certificate (laughs) to be valid. If you are looking for a certificate, I will make one online. I will spend hours 
in our graphics design program, making you a certificate. I want you to do that. I want you to take a picture and I want you to post it on our Instagram for everyone to see. I'm going to do it. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't mean anything if only I see it. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you know what you can do when you go on stage? I'll print you up like a, a three by five version feet. And just, <laughs> just show it to everybody in the audience. So shall we wrap this up? Yeah. Yeah, let's wrap this up. Thank you for listening to episode 14 of On the Same Page with Jen and Nancy. If you haven't left your iTunes review yet, it doesn't even have to be five stars. Just let us know how you feel. It does need to be five stars. (laughs) We love five stars the best. If you go to www.onthesamepagepod.com, you will find links to our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter, our Patreon, and a big link right in the middle direct to leave a review at iTunes. Thanks, guys. On the Same Page podcast, including show notes and links, provides education and entertainment and is intended for information purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on this podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without representation or warranties of any kind. Please consult a physician for any medical needs and always seek the advice of a qualified health professional for any of your mental health questions. On the Same Page with Jen and Nancy is recorded in Montreal, Quebec. The podcast is written, hosted, produced, and edited by Nancy Murdoch and Jen Chapman. Original theme music by Jen Chapman. Yeah, do you go to the doctor and you're like, you're a surgeon? Yes. Are you, do you have a certificate of any kind? <laughs> uh, yeah. Can I see it? No, it's at my house. Only I can see it. <laughs> it's also on my Instagram account.